Erev Tov, good evening. I am very excited about this shoe because really aside from it being our first Agadata shoe with text, it probably is going to be one of the most important shulim I've ever given. In the sense of this work that we're studying tonight is foundational. It's not, it's not something you read once and you never look back again. This teaching here is something that every time you learn Talmud, every time you learn something from the Chachamim, every single time, you want to remember the things you study here. This is the Rambam in his introduction to the Mishnah, followed by the Rambam and his introduction to Perek HaChelek at Zanadrin, which is a huge chunk of Agadatah in the Talmud, and that's why the Rambam writes it there. But let's start, uh, first is first. I didn't go through the English translations of these pieces. I gave you the names of the authors who translated them, and they, they're for you to figure out how accurate or not accurate the translations are. The Rambam wrote these writings in Arabic. So we're all relying on Hebrew translations of the Rambam's Arabic. And I relied on the free versions that I have available to me on the internet, which is what I'm giving you here. But it doesn't take away from what the Rambam is writing. The only difference you might be able to say between the Rambam's writings in Hebrew and the Rambam's writings in Arabic is the ability to uh, analyze things to the detail. When the Rambam uses a certain word in Hebrew, why he used this word and not a different word is very important. But once you start dealing with translations, you can analyze ideas, but not necessarily words that were used or sentence constructs and things like that. It makes it a little bit different. I believe that what we're going to learn tonight will clarify for you very much of what you've either struggled with in the Jewish community or found very much comforting in the Jewish community. And it really depends on which part of the Jewish community you fall out in. And uh, I really hope that everyone had a chance to learn this before because to understand what we'll be learning, a broader understanding of the topic at hand and having had the week to think about it and mesh over these ideas in your head is what's going to make tonight's you uh, all that much better. Rambam Hagdamal Mishnah. The Rambam is giving an introduction to Mishnah in general. And the Rambam says that this is the fourth, the fourth idea of what he's talking about in this introduction. You'll find that Agadah is referred to as Agadah, Agadata, Drashot, Drash, many different words. It all means the same thing. The non-legal parts of the Talmud. It's improper to believe that this uh, study of the Agadah is of inferior quality or of lesser importance. But it's actually even greater because it includes inside of it some of the deepest things in the world and the most wondrous things in the writings of Chachamin. So even though it may seem like it's not important to Halakha and it's not a legal matter and sometimes you read them and it makes you wonder what is going on over here? People are used to dismissing Agadot Chazal. Says the Rambam, that's incorrect. Rather, the proper approach should be to realize that inside of these Agadot are some of the deepest things in the whole world. For those of you who are used to understanding the word Sod, secret, as Kabbalah, as you know it, you may be surprised to discover that this is where the Rambam is going, where the Rambam understands Kabbalah, real Kabbalah, secrets of the Torah, He's referring to here, he's going to talk about it. This is to him where the secrets of the Torah are found. In the parts of the Talmud that are intentionally cryptic, intentionally vague. Chachamim are giving over hidden messages in code. This is sod according to the Rambam. Ki adrashot these drashot. When a person begins to learn these things with intellect, with true intellect, they'll begin to understand the true good, that there's nothing above or beyond these divine matters. And these are matters that the people of wisdom wanted to hide them. And they did not want to uh, uh, reveal them. And it includes everything that all the philosophers ever understood in their generations. 
תראה בו עניינים רחוקים מן השכל שאין למעלה מהם. And if you begin to look at things simply, you'll see that they include matters that logic and them are so distant from each other. Meaning, you would initially react to them as, this makes no sense. Now, you know, many people over the generations have accused the Rambam of being, many accusations have been filed against the Rambam. Very often, very often what I see among the accusations are people accuse the Rambam of all kinds of things and say, you know, there's a famous thing, the Rambam, the cursed philosophy got to the Rambam. Whether or not they're going to Vilna said or not, it's not my intention now. But it's amazing to see the things people accuse the Rambam of because their worldview was foreign to the worldview of Torah. They assumed that the Rambam, he must have got this philosophy from somewhere outside of the Torah. As opposed to understanding that the Rambam's worldview was inside of the Torah and their worldview was outside of the Torah, namely somewhere in Eastern Europe. And if they only began to understand the writings of the Rambam in the context of where the Rambam lived and who he was, and you want to accuse him of philosophy? Look at the idea of the philosophers around the Rambam, which the Rambam didn't accept. So to say that he was uh, swept away blindly by this philosophy, is a, it's something that only either an ignoramus in the Rambam's writings or an ignoramus in Jewish philosophy, authentic Jewish philosophy, would get swept away with. What? Or malicious. Or malicious, correct. Or malicious. That's correct. And the same thing happened with the Muslims, is that they had the same thing with philosophy, and there was a movement against them, and then that created all the extremism. But this is a great example. Uh, there's a book, Iunim uh, and in the introduction over there, there's an interesting conversation. You know, the, the Rambam was notoriously adamant that there are no such thing as demons. No such thing as Shedim. And over there is when people say, see, look, philosophy got to him. If you look at the Arab philosophers of his time, they all believed in demons. So it's an interest, only someone who was ignorant of the philosophical circles in which the Rambam was part of could accuse the Rambam that that philosophy uh, forced him to go against his own Torah. But you have to be ignorant or, like my father said, malicious. But that's, that, that's correct. That's for a, a different matter entirely. And they made this for some wondrous matters. The first reason, why did Chachamim write these drashot so cryptically? In order to sharpen the mind of the students. When you feed your students everything on a silver platter, they get used to being lazy intellectually. They're not forced to think for themselves. They're not forced to unpackage ideas on their own. And because of that, they don't know how to think anymore. And when that happens, that's a big problem. So Chachamim sometimes taught their students cryptic things to teach them how to use their mind to decode them, thus sharpening their intellect. Also, to make their hearts more inclined to study. You know, Chachamim often tells stories. You're in the middle of talking about a serious legal matter. Death penalty. Why are you telling stories now? Why you tell stories? The same reason why when any chacham speaks, you tell stories, you tell a joke, you tell something, it makes people smile. And be like, why? But it's a serious issue. Of course it's a serious issue. But people are people. And if you want the students to listen, you have to get them involved. And very often when I come to that place, a new place, I've never spoken there before, they don't know who I am, they never saw a YouTube video. The first thing I do is I get up and I say two or three or four jokes straight in a row. What is it, a clown that came here? I see, I see in the But you know what happens? The five people who look at there was a clown, there's 95% of people who when they saw the rabbi walk into the room, their first understanding, oh, it's another boring rabbi, I don't want to listen. But then, when you convince them, wow, oh, he's funny, there's something to say. Now you say it about the they're all listening. They're waiting for the next joke. So they listen. There's a famous chacham in the Talmud. Whenever he would say a shi'u, he would start with milte abdibdichuta. He would start with humor first. With telling jokes. To, to awaken his students up a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. So Chamim sometimes tell the Rashot simply to lighten the mood in the Benjamin Rash, to get the students involved. The odd, the second reason, maybe even the third reason, to blind the eyes of the idiots. That they will never, Yazhiru here is not from the language of to be uh, warned, Yazhiru from Ashon Zohar. They have no chance in their life to illuminate their hearts. 
These are dumb people that refuse anything intellectual. And because of this, their heart will never have light. And if you would show them the light of truth, they would turn their face away like their inferior nature. It's what our, it says about them and people similar to them. It's forbidden to reveal to them sod, secrets. Because their, their intellect is not complete. And therefore they're unable to receive such powerful messages. I need you for one moment to not be Hasidic. And to not say, wow, look at all the stupid people. We have to love them and care for them. And I'm not here. When I say stupid, by the way, Rambam is never referring to somebody who has some kind of a mental condition or learning disability. Or, Rambam is not referring to people like this. There are people, you know these people, you have friends of these people, you have people that you know in your life, that you work with these people. There are people who had every opportunity in life to study things, to care about the truth, to look for, and they chose, they chose willfully to be ignorant of reality. They're the people who believe every nonsensical thing ever told to them. They're the people who don't think critically. They're the people who always go with the flow of everybody else. The Rambam has zero tolerance for such people. You, you, you know, a person who, who makes a choice to be ignorant, we can make a choice to treat them like ignorant people. Ah, so how do you get people out of ignorance? That's a wonderful question. And if your job is to make ignorant people not ignorant, then you want to go look at the Rambam discussing that elsewhere. But in this place, in this time, Rambam is not here as a doctor for the ignorant. He's here as a teacher for the wise. And therefore he's speaking to the wise and saying many reasons, the, the main reason why Chachamim spoke cryptically was to keep the fools away. So they would not have access to this information. And it may be counterintuitive to uh, anything you've, uh, not counterintuitive, but counter to anything you've heard before. Yes? This perfect sense. The thing is, how, you, how does a person know that they're ignorant unless someone tells them, <laughs> right, well, them the criteria? It's, it's a little bit of a, of a yeah. you know, some of our rabbis didn't even want to reveal to other rabbis the secrets of wisdom. They already mentioned in the Gemara Masechet Chagiga. I recommend if you can to go home and open up Masechet Chagiga, page 13. I believe it's on the front side of the page, so the first side of the page. If you look there, there's a very interesting conversation about which parts of the Torah you're allowed to teach to who. Which parts are you allowed to teach to ignoramuses? Which parts are you allowed to teach to people who are not Jewish? Which part? It's a, it's a very interesting piece of Talmud. You could follow the paper trail through Halakha, but I just recommend, if you can, to look into this page on your own, because the Rambam is summarizing a story. She'ish min chachamim. One of the chachamim, his name is Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef went, Nikhbat, it was an honorable chacham. He tricked brilliant people who were very knowledgeable in Maaseh Bereshit, in the true story of the secrets of the act of creation. Who were those? Those were the elders of the yeshiva of Pumpedita. Yes? So, Rav Yosef comes to the place, Pumpedita, he meets these elders, and he tricks them. That was in Yes. He was an expert in the secrets of the Maaseh Merkava, the chariot. Those who are familiar with the Jewish literature know there's two main secrets, Maaseh Bereshit and Maaseh Merkava, the act of creation and the chariot of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Amar lahem, limduni Maaseh Bereshit, valamedchem Maaseh Merkava. Teach me the truth of Maaseh Bereshit, and I will treat, teach you in return the secrets of Maaseh Merkava. Vamur tov hadavar. They said, good, we agree. Vakasher limduhu Maaseh Bereshit, and once they finished teaching him he walked away and decided not to teach them the secrets of the Merkava. He tricked them. He got the information and he refused to share his information. God forbid you should say he did this because of some bad character trait he had about him. Because he wanted to hold back wisdom. Maybe he wanted to just keep all the secrets to himself. He wanted to be the greatest rabbi who ever lived, so he didn't want to share. Don't think that. And in bold, These character traits of holding back wisdom, of wanting to be better than everybody else, it's a bad character trait even by the stupid people. 
קל וחומר באלו החסדים הנכבדים. How much more so by one of the most righteous חכמים that it's a bad character trait to have. אבל עשה הדבר בשביל שרה בעצמו, ראוי לקבל מה שיש אצלם, but he understood that he was of the level to accept these secrets from them, ושאינם ראויים לקבל מה שיש אצלו. And he understood while they were teaching the Torah to him, he realized that they were not yet on the level to accept the Torah that he had to give to them. It's a hard concept. And I urge you to go here into the commentaries. Maybe we'll get to this uh, story eventually in the study of Agadah. Meaning, he understood that he needed to hear what they had to say. And whether it happened before or during, maybe he didn't trick them. Maybe he really meant to give it to them. But when he was teaching, when he heard the Torah from them, he realized that they were not yet in the level of Chokhmah, that they were able to receive his secrets from him. And he mentions, this, Rav Yosef mentions the teaching of Shlomo HaMelech in Shira Shirim. There's honey and milk underneath your tongue. And our rabbis explain, of blessed memory. And they say, the truth of this matter, that the sweet wisdoms like honey, that the soul will become pleasant through them, like the, like the tongue will become happy with uh, honey and milk. You have to hide them. That you should not speak about them. And they should never be mentioned verbally ever. And that's why Shlomo Melech says, you should keep it under your tongue. Honey and milk you should keep under your tongue. That these matters are not the correct matters to teach, even in yeshivot of wisdom. Even in places where people come and study wisdom, keep certain secrets to yourself. They sometimes hid in the things that they spoke, hidden secrets. And once HaKadosh Baruch Hu removes from you the veil of stupidity, meaning when HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides that you have reached the level where you are worthy of understanding deeper wisdom, once you've already toiled and put an effort to understand wisdom, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will allow you to understand Torah, each person, according to the level of their intellect. So this is uh, something that involves HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You study hard, you work hard, you spend your life studying Torah, studying wisdom, knowing the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu's world works. The more you study, the more HaKadosh Baruch Hu will remove from you this cloak of inability to see secrets. And the more you study, the more access you'll have to that. Every person and their own intellect. People are different. People are not the same. The only thing that you can do to reach this level, leave it to the Creator of the world. That's His job. To pray to Him. And you say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm praying to you to allow me to see the secrets of your Torah. Even David HaMelech of blessed memory did this. You should know when you read the Rambam and you read his, his whole understanding of Tanakh, his understanding of the Chachamim, the writings of the Talmud, you see how organic it is, the way he thinks with the way the Torah and the Chachamim thought. Meaning he's explaining to you, what was David HaMelech praying for here? He's praying for exactly what we're talking about. David HaMelech in Tehilim 119 says, Gal enai, uncover my eyes, ve'abita niflaot metoratecha, and I will merit to see the secrets of your Torah, the wonders of your Torah. Once HaKadosh Baruch uncovers the eyes of a person, and he shows you what he shows you, and your job then is to hide them. Yeah, so once you've been entrusted with secrets, your job is to keep them to yourself. There are people whose whole attitude is, let's teach the whole world all the secrets of HaKadosh Baruch Torah. Everything is secret. Kavod Adonai Haster Dava. The secret, the, the honor of HaKadosh Baruch is to keep things hidden. Your wife tells you a secret. Your husband tells you a secret. So now you go announce it on the news. It's a secret. 
the, the whole beauty of a secret is that only two of you know. Only those who are in the inside circle get it. When a Kadosh Baruch Hu entrusts you with a secret, part of what you do is you keep the secret to yourself. Ah, what about other people who need to understand the secret? We're going to talk about that. But it's a Kadosh Baruch Hu's job to determine who has merited to reach the level where they'll understand secrets. The, by the way, everything we're talking about here, we're not talking about halakha, we're not talking about tanakh, we're not talking about things that every person needs to know. These are things that everybody needs to know. Here we're talking about a level beyond. It's a step beyond. These are the things that already you can't force a Kadosh Baruch Hu's hand here. There are things where certain people need to know them, and the masses might not need to know them. We're not talking about keeping people ignorant of halakha. The Raman was very much against that. That's why he wrote his Mishnah Torah. We're not talking about keeping people ignorant of their own duties and they need every day to function. These are things that are a step further. They're beyond, in a different, in a different realm. And if you need to hint at them, you need to discuss things that are deep. You should only hint to people who have a whole mind, a healthy mind. And it's known about him the truth of his, uh, his truth. Like you find many stories in the Talmud. And in bold, and therefore, and it's un- improper for a wise person. It's improper to reveal secrets of the Torah unless it's to a person who is greater than you or to a person who is equal to you. If you reveal it to an ignorant person, even though that person, maybe nothing bad will happen to them, but it's not good that you did that. And that's what the Chacham says in Mishlei. Who's the Chacham? Shlomo Amelech. says, don't speak words of wisdom to the ears of an ignorant person. doesn't know what to do with such information. Furthermore, the teachings that you teach to the public, they have to be through rhymes and riddles. Chida is like um, riddles. And mashal are, are parables. Not to speak directly. You want to be able to teach women and children and young people, let me explain very quickly, before you get carried away. The Rambam very often talks, you're going to see the laws of Pesach, we'll study soon, Chametz The Rambam says, when you tell over the story of Pesach, you tell one story to the people of superior intellect, and other things to the people of inferior intellect, like women, like children, like slaves, like, you know. the Rambam says such a thing. People go crazy, they read the Rambam and they, they lose it. You can see just a moment what the Rambam is talking about. The Ammam is not stating a fact that women are of inferior intellect. Chazr the Ammam is saying a, a reality, at least in his time, which was that men went to yeshiva, and men studied Torah, and men were given an education, and men were taught to be literate, and women were expected to stay home and to clean and to cook and to maybe raise the children, and that was what women did. But look what the Ammam writes. So when you teach Torah, it has to include everybody, even the lower levels of inferior intellect. Ad Asher, until what happens? Yeshlem Sikhlam, until their intellect becomes complete. I mean, the Rambam tells you, even the child is going to grow up. Even a woman who was born into a world in which women are not allowed to study can make a choice. If, now, maybe in some places it was illegal for her to make that choice. My grandmother, Allah Shalom, lived in a country for her youth where it was illegal, not Jewish law. It was against Yemenite law to study, to read and write. She knew Tanakh by heart without knowing how to read and write. She came to Israel. And after her last child went to off and left house, she went to Ulpan and taught herself how to read and write. She wrote a letter to my father and she cursed Yemen. Teman, cursed it as Yemen, who didn't teach her children, her daughters, how to read and write. Her whole life she knew Tanakh by heart and only at the age of 55 she was able to read the Tanakh she knew by heart. There was a world like that and it wasn't so long ago. And the Amma is saying, everybody can reach this level. He's simply speaking in a realistic sense, in the world in which he is. When the people understand these riddles, as they get older, as their intellect improves, but not getting older doesn't always improve someone's intellect. <laughs> they say, 
a person is forced to get older, but they don't always grow up. Uh, there's two different things that happen. And that's what Shlomo Amedech says. Uh, he hints and he says, Shlomo Amedech says, you know, that a person to understand the riddles of the Chachamim, they have to have a certain mind. And as you grow older and you keep learning things, you keep learning things, you understand them differently. Anybody who studied Chumash when they were younger, and they study Chumash again today. If you're reading Chumash the same way you read Chumash 10 years ago, then you didn't grow up. If you're eating your food the same way you ate your food when you were five, then you didn't grow up. If you go to the bathroom the same way you went to the bathroom when you were two, then something's wrong. Why do we expect everybody to grow up how they eat, how they go to the bathroom, how they drink, how they walk, how they buckle themselves into the car seat or into a real chair? But when it comes to intellect, we let people stay when they were 12. People stay the way they were when they were in college. College was when you were 20-something. You didn't grow up since then. Your intellect didn't improve since then. You don't see the world differently since then. People grow. By the way, sometimes a young person can be a chacham. says, what is a zaken? Tamud says, what is a zaken? What is an elder? Zaken is zekana chokhmah. This is a person who acquired wisdom, says the Tom. You can have a very young person who's a big chacham. We're going to see this in the Haggadah of Pesach. Yeah. I'm like I'm 70 years old. He's not 70. It's like he's 70. And there are people you're going to meet that they're like 70, uh, but they're, they're, they're really like they're 15. The same urges, the same desire, the same... They, they look like little children. They act like little children. They have the discipline of little children. Yes. But you know, sometimes people come to talk about their relationships. And deal with two people and they're struggling with their relationship. And then you realize very quickly that one of the partners is emotionally uh, stunted in their, in their growth. They simply don't have the capacity to love or to care or to empathize in an adult fashion. So their spouse, she's, she's 50 and she's expecting her husband knows how to emote like a 50-year-old. But he's still in high school. He's still 16. He's stuck there. He's frozen in time. And that's a very difficult thing. Because whereas you could tell a person, you know, do this, do that, but you can't really help a person grow unless they're, they understand or they have the ability to understand where they're stuck. And because of these reasons, our rabbis therefore wrote the things they wrote in such a way that it would distance the fools from their writings. Okay, now we're something else. So, the first understanding of the time, the Ramba mentions the reason why you have Agadot. The reason why the Agadot don't make any sense. They're so weird. You read them, it's so strange. Why Chachamim was such a thing? It's a famous Agadotah. People like to quote it. There was a bird that came, laid an egg, and it cracked, and 70 cities drowned in the yolk of that egg. You think the you read it, it's such a crazy story. It's like, it's a fable, you know, it's a legend. It was Aesop's fables here. And you look at it, you think the Chachamim wrote such a silly story and didn't mean anything else aside from that? So here's a Chacham. He's brilliant in all of Torah. He's sitting in front of his students. He's, oh, by the way, you heard in the news there was an egg cracked and there was a flood. You didn't hear about it? You think the students sitting there in the yeshiva and the Bet Midrash, oh, Rabbi, thanks for letting us know. We didn't know. How much of a fool do you have to be to understand the story that way? Yet how much of the Torah is understood the same way? Whatever it says, it says. What do you want from me? That's what it says. Just because it says something. Chachamim, when they speak about deep matters, it's their, it's their style to speak this way. If we don't finish this Ramam today, it's okay. Because this Ramam is, like I said, it's a foundation. To understand the way the Ramam thinks about Talmud, it will answer so many different questions that come up in the future. So now we know Chachamim spoke cryptically to keep the people who shouldn't know this information away. Those who know the information, they already will understand it. They understand the riddles. They know how to unpack. I had a rabbi I used to teach with. He used to call it unpacking Agadot. Because Agadot are full of information, but only certain people know how to unpack them. It's an important uh, idea. The bottom of page one, the left column. 
לדרשה הוא, אבל יש לחשוב שהחיסרון בא משכלו. When you read a piece of Talmud and it sounds so strange, instead of saying that the piece of Talmud doesn't make any sense, you should stop for a moment and say, my mind is not yet good enough to understand this piece of Talmud. וכשירי משל ממשלהם שהוא קשה להסכין, and if you see a משל from their משלים, משלהם, from their parables, and it's hard for you to comprehend it intellectually. אפילו פשוטו, even the simple understanding doesn't make sense. ראוי לו להשתומם מאוד על שכלו, you should be very upset at your intellect. שלא הבין העניין עד אשר חסרו בעיניו האמונות בתכלית הרחוק, שהרי הדעות יש הם יתרון זה על זה. כפי יתרונות המזגים. He said, you should say, it's my brain's fault. It's not the Talmud's fault, my brain's fault. I just don't understand it because my brain's not there yet. And different people understand things differently because different people have different brains. וכמו שנמצא מזג איש אחד, top of page 2. Just like you find the, the מזג is literally the climate of a person, the nature of a person. The different people have different understandings of the world. איש אחד שהוא ישר ממזג איש אחר. There's one person who is of a better temperament than the other one. כן, יש שכל איש אחד שלם משכל איש אחר. You have one person who in their nature is more honest than another person, so too you have some people that in their nature are more intellectually complete than their friends. ואין ספק שאין שכל מי שידע דבר נכבד כשכל מי שישכיל הדבר ההוא. And there's no doubt that these people's minds, one can understand things the other one doesn't, שאחד נקרא שכל בפועל ואחד שכל בכוח. One is called active intellect, and one is called potential intellect. Those of you who are scientists or studied science, you know there's, active, there's, there's potential energy and there's kinetic energy. Is other one. There's energy that actually is put in action, and there's energy that's waiting to be put in action. It's not that people are stupid, and therefore they have no chance of understanding wisdom. It's that their intellect is temporarily unused. It's, it's on hold. They have potential for greatness, but it's not utilized yet. Unfortunately, the world that we live in, very often when people, even they become wealthy and famous and successful, that's very external wealth and success. The actual potential of themselves being unlocked to, to be the greatest them they can be on, a, on an intellectual level, on an emotional level, on a wisdom level, most of the time that's unlocked. Even you see great people, very famous people, and you look at their intellect and it's... it's, it's It's of a, I, don't want me, I don't want to put children down. They're very wealthy. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of power. A lot of them. But their brain is very small. It's not because they, they don't have wisdom. It's because they haven't unlocked that potential yet. That's why there are some things that some people understand them to be the complete truth and they understand them deeply. And there are other people who are also smart people and they say that doesn't make any sense to me. How can you believe this? It doesn't make any sense to me. Those people are not stupid people. Their brain simply has not been trained to understand that type of wisdom properly. Says the Rambam, I want to give you a clear example of such a case. If we ask a very wise person, how wise of a person? Someone who knows medicine, and they know mathematics. They know music. Brother, you understand the Rambam, what he considers a wise person? He's very knowledgeable in the natural sciences. ונבוא והוא משכיל והוא נאור וריק מחוכמת התשבורת וחוכמת הכוכבים. And he's very enlightened, but he's also, he's also empty of the wisdom of geometry and of the stars. Astronomy. Astronomy. So not astrology. Yeah, astronomy. That's part of the science that he doesn't know. ונאמר לו, מה אתה אומר באיש שהוא טוען שגוף השמש שאנו רואים כאילו היא עגולה קטנה? אוקיי, אני אגיד לסקיפ את האקשואל היברי הדרמה. הפרסון אומר, אתה יודע, מה אם אני אגיד לך שהסון, שאתה רואה את הקטנה קטנה, הסון הוא באמת כזה מאוד גדול מהמדינה, וזה כזה מיילים מהמדינה, רומן מיילים, מהמדינה שאנחנו עכשיו עכשיו? אין ספק, זה נכון, אין ספק שהאיש ההוא, שזכה רעיון, who has pure intellect, 
אשר השכיל מן החוכמות, כל מה שאמרנו, and he knows all of those wisdoms that we mentioned above, לא ימצא בנפשו מקום לקיים זאת האמונה, וכל זה דבר רחוק בעיניו, בלי מושג. He'll tell you, it's crazy to me that you think that that little dot in the sky is that much bigger than our world, and you claim that you know how far away from us it is? How do you know? Because he's very wise and very knowledgeable. Even his brain is capable of understanding such things. But he doesn't yet understand them. He will use his intellect to tell you that intellectually it cannot be true what it is that you're saying right now. It's, it's not intelligent what you're saying. So it's not that he's stupid. It's the intellect that he knows that keeps him away from believing what you're telling him. I'll tell you this. I, I once spoke to a rabbi in Yerushalayim. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I spoke to Rabbi David Aaron. And he once told us that why he believes you see so many people who are Baalei Teshuvah, who are now observant of Judaism, and they're so depressed. He said there are many reasons, and I have maybe other reasons why I would believe such a thing, but his reason. He said because they're smart people. And in their years of study and pursuit of wisdom, they've reached the conclusion that there is no man up in the sky with a big beard and a scepter who sends down lightning bolts. They, they intellectually know that there is no little God up there in the sky. And then they go to some shiur, or they meet a tamich hacham, and he convinces them of the truth of the Torah, of the truth of the Creator. And now they say, wow, that makes sense. But everything that I knew logically until today, now I'm forced to accept this truth. I knew that that God doesn't exist. Now you proved it to me that He does. And therefore, people walk around depressed. Because the God, the God that I knew could never do what I think He did. Now you forced me to believe that He's real. Without ever redefining for me, when you say Elohim, when you say Adonai, when you say Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what are you referring to? If you were able to tell me that the God that I don't believe in, you also don't believe in Him, and give me a new idea of what is a Kadosh Baruch Hu, then I wouldn't be the person that I am now. But you forced me to accept something that intellectually I reject. And it's a great danger what we do. And the Amma is saying here, you have to understand that the person rejects your estimation of the distance to the sun, or your calculation of the size of the sun, not because they're stupid, but precisely because they're intelligent, they can't accept that you think on this earth that you know what is going on up there in the sky. How are you, this little nothing? You're a little spectacle of... Uh, is that a word? No. Speck. Speck, thank you. You're a little speck of dust on this earth. You know the size of the sun. You know how far away it is. You are telling me that you know the shape of the sun like you know how far the distance from your house to Belakrans it is? But that you, if you're from, from so far away, you know? And also he'll say, uh, I don't know this word. He says, we can't even deal with the sun and how size it is. We only see the rays of the sun. said, how do you think that you're going to be able to go all the way to the sun and measure the sun? He says, your ideas of estimating the size of the sun are nonsensical. Then all he can conclude is that you are an illogical person. And you live in some kind of fantasy land where you think you know how big the sun is. But once this person trains himself in the books of wisdoms and measurements. Says the Rambam, when you reach this place where you begin to understand measurements and, and spheres and how to measure these things, and you reach from there, you reach to the book, the 
Almagest, did you pronounce it? Yes. Which I posted in our, in our group from the Wikipedia. It's an old book of, of measurements and teaching wisdom of especially measuring spheres. Someone, when someone understands this science as well, he'll then be of the inclination that this thing is true. When you teach him the wisdom behind it, now his eyes can see what previously he intellectually disregarded. I'm skipping the next paragraph, which is an elaboration of this point. It could be, says, and you should know that I chose for this parable a man who was intelligent and knew many wisdoms. I chose a person who's of good intellect, who has the ability to grasp ideas, who's wise. I didn't choose a fool. I didn't tell you if you would tell an ignoramus on the street the size of the sun, he would laugh at you. And this is a person who's educated, who's knowledgeable. He says, we're asking big questions. How much more so will this be true about a person who has no wisdom at all? And this is a person who never studied wisdom at all. He goes from the intellect of his mother to the intellect of his wife. I mean, he never grows. He just, wherever he goes, he goes. He says, this person is, you're dealing with an ignoramus and you try to tell him about the sun and how you measure the sun. He doesn't even know how to add or subtract. He doesn't know math. He wouldn't know how to measure his finger if you asked him to measure. So you can't expect that a, a fool would be able to understand these things. And says, And says, and we must judge the drashot favorably. Listen. Judge the Agada favorably. And we should do our best to analyze them deeply. And let's not be so quick to dismiss things that are written there. But when we see something that they write, that's just too much for us to handle. We should keep training ourselves in knowledge and wisdom. And educate yourself. Keep educating yourself. Until we understand those matters. Because sometimes, until, until you reach a place where you understand them. Because the Chachamim. Even though they had a desire to learn. And they had the proper atmosphere. They had friends that were tzaddikim. They had teachers. They had rabbis. They had a bit of midrash. And they stayed away from all the other things in the world that they didn't have to deal with. Some, even those chachamim that were sitting in yeshivot by the great giants of the world, and they spent their whole life studying wisdom. When they couldn't understand something, they blamed themselves, not what was written there. And that's what they say in Masechet Eruvin. The hearts of the earlier sages were like the, the opening of the Ben Mikdash. Of the, it was huge. There was a big opening. And our, our hearts are like the needle that goes inside of a crack. We have tiny little hearts. And if they had such big hearts, and they were able to say, it's not, uh, it's not the, the text, it's us, we can also say, it's not the text, it's us. From here, you may begin to understand. That's why I say, Adava is important for wisdom. Yes. I mean, well, it's, it's a perspective of knowing how great wisdom is and how you have to have an open vessel to... Correct, and it's not knocking ourselves. But before you dismiss something, say, maybe the problem is me. Maybe I don't understand this science well enough to be able to comprehend what I'm reading. That's fine. It doesn't make you a lesser person. It gives you motivation to grow. But like from here, you may begin to understand the Ramam is alluding to Chachamim. He's saying, there are sometimes Chachamim that you'll go discuss a matter with them. And because you think they're a Chacham, and they are a Chacham, you assume that they're going to be a Chacham in every area that you speak with them about. And you should realize they're not really Chachamim in all the areas. Sometimes you'll come to talk to them about something and you'll realize... I've overstepped the boundaries of what this person is capable of discussing. They just can't talk about this. They're not there yet. 
וכל שכן אנחנו, how much more so us, שהחוכמה נעדרה ממנו, that the wisdom has been lost from us, וכאשר הודיענו הקדוש ברוך הוא, הקדוש ברוך הוא told us already in the book of ישעיה, this פסוק is one of my favorite פסוקים, unfortunately. ועבדה חוכמת חכמיו, the wisdom of the wise man has been lost, ובינת נבוניו תסתתר, and the perception of the perceptive has been hidden. ייחד הכתוב כל אחד ממנו, the פסוק uh, spoke about us, every one of us. בארבעה דברים, four things about us. בחושת השכל, weakness of intellect, חוזק התאווה, the strength of the desire, the יצא הרע that's inside of us, עצלות בבקשת החוכמה, our laziness in wanting education, והזריזות בבצע העולם, and our alacrity, our, our swiftness, our speed in running after things in this world. So we have problems. What are our problems? The first problem is that we have weak minds. The second problem, we have very strong yetzara. The third problem, we're lazy. And the fourth problem is that we're not lazy about things that are not good for us. The same person who can stay awake six hours binge-watching a TV show, Bring them to a shiur for 20 minutes and they're gone. How could it be? It's not that you're tired always. It's not that you can't focus always. It's simply a, a, a certain laziness. And the Ammam says it's not your fault. It's, it's human nature. Yeshayahu is reading this pasuk about us, saying, don't be surprised that wisdom disappears. It's natural. That's the way the world works. Arba'at shifatav haraim. These are the four plagues, afflictions that we have. So now when you read something you don't understand. Why are you so quick to say, oh, that text is a crazy, this Talmud doesn't make any sense. Why are you so quick to say that? Why not say, maybe I don't make any sense. And because our rabbis have blessed memory, they knew all of what we're saying tonight. All of their words are clear and clean. There's nothing, you're not going to find in the Talmud mistakes. Chachamim didn't make mistakes. What do you mean mistakes? I'm not saying that the words of the Chachamim are from Har Sinai. But Chachamim were of superior intellect. The Chachamim commanded us not to make fun of the words of the Chachamim. Don't mock the words of the Chachamim. V'amrun, they say in Masechet Gitin, Kol hamal'ig al divrei Chachamim, Anybody who mocks the words of the Chachamim, Nidon will be punished in the next world to be boiled in human waste. You hear that? Now where there's some fools, they come along and they read this Gemara literally. You know where you're going to go in the next world if you don't keep Shabbat? You're going to be burning in Tzohar Yeah, I know these people. The Imam says, come on, remember Chachamim that we just told you don't make fun of the things they say? The Chachamim also say, don't make a mockery out of the things we said. Says the Rambam, There's no greater human waste to boil in The stupidity which makes you laugh at the words of Chachamim, that's the human waste you're boiling inside of. You understand? That's an Agadah. Chachamim are telling you what a person will suffer with. They're going to suffer to be in human waste. Meaning, yeah, you're suffering because of how stupid you are. Not speaking to you, obviously. They say, they say that uh, you know, when a person dies, they don't feel any pain. Only the people around them suffer. It's the same thing when a person is stupid. They don't know they're stupid, but everybody else around them, they suffer from it. Someone sent me a meme. You know, jellyfish, are, they don't have brains. They say, look how, many, look how many years they've survived without any brains. There's hope for stupid people. You know, this is a, they can persevere even the worst of things, jellyfish. The Ammon is telling you, the greatest punishment a person can have is the inability to think. It's a, it's a, it's a suffering. It's a tremendous... You know, you sometimes get upset. I hear people in the Bidikah. You get upset all the people you talk to and you argue with and they just don't, they don't get it. They don't see the truth. You think that you're suffering? You have no idea the suffering they go through. It's the world that they're missing out on. So I'm not talking about a person who's born blind. A person who chooses to be blind. So he decides to wear a, a, a blindfold the whole life. All, he goes to La Jolla Shores with a blindfold on. He hears the bird chirping, feels the sun, hears the waves. 
but doesn't see the view. And you're standing there, wow, what a beautiful view. He says, I don't see it. And he said, why? Which fool comes to La Jolla Shores, La Jolla Cove, with a blindfold on? Who chooses to experience this world with blindfolds on? Who does that? Only a fool. Only a ksiv. The greatest punishment they're ever going to experience is the fact that they spent so much time on this earth not enjoying the things they were able to enjoy in the pursuit of intellectual wisdom. This is the foundation of the Rambam's Torah. The found, you know what a person who, who doesn't keep Shabbat is punished with? They'll never in their life know what it feels like to keep Shabbat. You know the person who doesn't pray? The punishment that they have, they never will know what it's like to pray. There's no When it says that Avraham Avinu came into the world, and he was the first person to call HaKadosh Baruch Hu by his name, you can imagine what is the first person in the world to speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? That's the greatness of Avraham Avinu. But what does it say about all the other people who lived in the world before Avraham Avinu? And didn't have the ability to speak to the one who put them there. That's a great punishment. Why do you have to look for something else? Why do you have to also boil them in human ways? Valken, and therefore, This is a rule, a rule you should hold on to. You will never find somebody who rejects the wisdom of the Chachamim. Only a person who runs after Yitzhara. The one who wants to run around and to drink and to smoke and to gamble and to sleep around and to part. Only that person is the one who rejects the words of Chachamim. The person who runs after that kind of stimulation is because he or she has never experienced the stimulation of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah. They try drugs because they never tried the Ben Midrash. Not the fake Ben Midrash, the real Ben Midrash. They run after things that... You know, I once uh, heard a rabbi speak. He said, you know, in America, people are, they go to amusement parks, they ride on roller coasters, they flip upside down, they 90 feet drops. He said, you know, Israel, we don't need roller coasters. We're kept on our feet, they're terrorists. They're ter- all kinds of things that keep us uh, uh, thrilled, you know. Like, we don't need any more fake thrills. People look for artificial thrills when they don't have real ones. They look for bad relationships when they don't have real relationships. They're people who are very popular. They have thousands of friends. But really, you look at a desperate attempt to have one real friendship. You find the people who have one real friend or two real friends or three real friends, they don't, they don't really talk to other people. Why? Because they don't need other people. But there's a desperate need to always, always have new friends and more exciting friends. and more. Why? Because you're empty in friendship. So you're looking for friendship somewhere else. Those who reject wisdom are those who really use all of their energy for things that are not so wise. Says the Rambam, it's precisely because our Chachamim knew how amazing this wisdom was that they told you to study Torah all day and most of the night. Why most of the night? You need to sleep. The Rambam believes you need to sleep. Not all the night, most of the night. And any time between the day and night. Why? Because Chachamim knew how amazing this wisdom would be once you got it. Wait, here it says, Kol That's what I read. Oh, Mechila. No. The whole night, the whole day. But it works both ways. Why some of the day? You have to work. You have to work. It's the same. <laughs> the Ramam will hold you have to sleep at night. It's the same Ramam right. holds you have to work during the day. It happens, you know. Vamru and our Chachamim say, Masechet Brachot. The only thing after the temple was destroyed that the Kadosh Baruch Hu has left in the world are the four amot, the four cubits of halacha. He said, I want you to focus on this matter. That if you read this matter simply, you're going to realize there's the furthest thing from the truth. What? Now, after the Benamidash is destroyed, Hakadosh Baruch only cares about Halakha? He doesn't care about Tanakh? He doesn't care about Talmud? 
doesn't care about being a good person. Only halakha. So now if you sit and study halakha all day, that's the only place where you're going to find the Kosh Baruch Uvizman shem ve'ever. And at the time of shem ve'ever, ve'acharav. And afterwards, sham halakha. There was no halakha because shem and ever were before the giving of the Torah. There was no halakha. Hanukhal omar shem ha'kadosh b'chuh chedek ba'olam kran. So you're going to tell me that when shem and ever were studying Torah, they had a yeshiva. People always want to know what they studied in the yeshiva. Says the Ramam, they didn't have a Torah, so there was nothing to study. Of course there's more to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in his world than that. But if you will think about this matter intellectually, you'll see something wondrous inside of it. And you'll reach very high understandings of intellect. He says, and I will explain it to you so you can then understand everything else that I will tell you. And therefore you'll pay proper attention to the things in front of you. I didn't even continue quoting the Rambam here where he begins to analyze his teaching. But the Rambam is making a point. The first point is when you see the words of Chachamim that are cryptic, it was meant to teach their students how to think, how to unpack information. The second was meant to keep certain people away. That even if they would hear these words, they wouldn't understand them. The second half of what the Rambam told us tonight is that these things are so deep and these things are so wondrous that even wise people, you're learned people, we've all learned until today. I mentioned to you last week that I'm a little bit anxious. We're starting to learn Agadah. It's an area of Torah which I haven't really delved into deeply on my own in a, for many, many years. So even people who are full of the wisdom of Torah and the wisdom of sciences, when it comes to this wisdom of Agadah, the only thing we'll be able to understand is whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows us to understand. And it could be that some of us will understand things differently than others. Some of us will not understand things at all. Some of us will understand things more than others. All of it is about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The greatest thing to do when studying Agadah is to, one, never mock the words of Chachamim because the ideas are deeper than ourselves. And two, to constantly pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that He should give us the ability to understand the things that we need to understand from the teachings that we have in front of us. So can I bother you for a moment? What? How many minutes have we been recording for? 58. I would love to do the second part with you, but I don't think it's realistic to do it tonight. So what I'm going to ask from you is to please, if you didn't prepare tonight's you, to prepare for next week the whole piece of the Rambam that we're going to do on Thursday night, this coming Thursday night. And if I could summarize, so much of what we learn in Torah, when we learn it improperly, our gut reaction is to reject it. Mm-hmm. That rejection of Torah is a very good thing. It's a good thing. There's some people here when we study something and say, you know, I've been learning Torah for 20 years, for 30 years, I never knew, now it makes sense to me. That's good. It means your whole life you had a natural, healthy intellect that was telling you, whatever it is that I'm reading, I'm reading it incorrectly. It's not that I reject the Torah, it's I reject that, it can't be that the way it's been explained to me till now is what's true. It can be. How it's been taught. Very, very good. And so our job is to keep trying and to keep trying and to keep trying until you find the way of the Torah that, wow, it clicks. Sometimes it's beyond you. Sometimes it involves prayer. Gal and I, David HaMelech prays, uncover my eyes. Don't open my eyes. My eyes are open. Uncover my eyes so I will be able to see the wonders of your Torah. And the second part is to train yourself. There's nothing in the world that is a wisdom that is dangerous for a human being to study. The Rambam believes, what does the Rambam say about, uh, they call it secular studies. I've studied here with you, Yarav Kapach, in this conversation with secular studies. The Rambam says, you know that in the kitchen, there's the chef, there's the, there's the sous chef also. There's all kinds of other workers in the kitchen. So just because they're not as important as the main chef, doesn't mean they're not important. So Torah is the most important thing in the world. But how are you going to run a kitchen just with the taster at the end, before the food goes out? Somebody has to chop, somebody has to cook, somebody has to clean, somebody has to prepare, someone has to know how to use the oven, somebody has to know how to fix the oven. In order to have a complete picture, you must have a complete view of wisdom. It's why our Chachamim are called Chachamim, wise people. Only lately did we refer to them as Rabbanim, rabbis, masters. They were not masters before they were Chachamim. Today you can have a rabbi who's not wise. Yes? In the olden days, how could you be called a chacham if you were stupid? You can't hold the office of wise if you're not wise. And it's a shift that the Jewish community made. 
a shift away from wisdom, a shift away from a holistic understanding of the world and therefore of Torah, to this little tip of the needle that we're trying to poke everything with. But it doesn't, doesn't include the big, beautiful picture that is the world and HaKadosh Baruch Torah inside of it. The Rambam is trying to warn us. You're going to delve into an area of Talmud which your intellect may reject. Don't be afraid of your intellect. Expand your intellect. And don't listen to the rejection as rejection of the text. Reject yourself. Motivate yourself to become a bigger person, a more knowledgeable person, so that when you approach the Torah, you'll finally understand the greatest curse is to be ignorant. And the greatest blessing is to be enlightened with the light of a Kalash Torah. God willing, we'll learn here next week. Thursday night.